Hello, and welcome to the Kinexus Continuous Improvement Podcast. Uh, if you were with us in the last episode, you may have heard uh, myself, Chris Burnham, uh, interviewing with Mark Graben about my story about why I joined Kinexus and uh, what I do at the company. And at the end, I asked Mark Graben wearing the podcaster's host hat. Uh, he recently wrote a blog post about being at Kinexus for 10 years. So as he celebrates his 10-year anniversary, I thought it would be a good time to reflect on with Mark on why he joined Kinexus and what his role uh, at Kinexus is. Now, Mark, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks, Chris. And um, as we talked about last time, welcome to the Kinexus team. You're now a Kinexian, even though we've known you and you've known us uh, for a while. Um, and yeah, so it's good. I mean, I'll, I'll reflect, I'll think about the 10 years. Do you want me to tell the story of going back to how I first joined? Absolutely. All right. So we'll go back to, uh, this would have been January, 2011. It's hard to believe that's 10 years ago, but to make sure I don't say t- 2001, no, 10 years ago is 2011. I got an email from an ER doc who I had met at a conference, um, you know, having worked in, in healthcare for a while at that point. And he said, there's this other ER doc I know. He's in Austin, uh, Greg Jacobson. He's working on this software. I think you two should meet. And, you know, at, at first, I mean, like a lot of people, I was a little skeptical about like, well, what do you mean continuous improvement software? You know, how he's written a journal article about uh, Kaizen and, oh, okay, well, he really does mean like Masaki MI style, everybody, everywhere, every day improvement. So that was encouraging because if it was Kaizen event software, I probably wouldn't have really reached out. No offense to Kaizen events, but I believe strongly you need all these different types of approaches to improvement. And Greg originally then and Kinexus was very focused on daily continuous improvement. The product has expanded um, to do and help manage all kinds of improvement, thanks to our customers and their input over time. But the initial concept, the minimum viable product, if you will, was around daily continuous improvement. So come February, my wife and I were coming down from the Dallas area to Austin to go to a Willie Nelson concert at Austin city limits, which is one of the most Austin-y things you could do. And that the day after that concert, which I think it was a Sunday night, my wife had to leave because of some work travel. And then I was going to be just driving home from Austin. So I talked to Greg and I'm like, okay, well, I'll stay over an extra day and I'll, I'll come in and chat with you. We'll, we'll meet up. And uh, it was Valentine's day, 2011 which just helps, you know, it was Valentine's Day. It helps make it easy to remember. And, you know, what I thought was at least initially like, oh, we'll, we'll meet up and I don't know if I'll like the guy and I don't know if I'll agree with the software approach. Um, I think we ended up talking for three hours because we had a lot of common shared perspectives and he was opening my eyes around the use cases of, you know, Greg started Kinexus to solve a problem he was facing as an ER doc and his teams were facing at Vanderbilt. So I knew he was coming at this from a really good perspective and um, that, that started the ball rolling. And I started talking to Matt Palulis, who is the other co-founder, um, chief operating officer, and he's been a chief technology 
officer role. You know, I kind of met the two of them. And at this point, it was really just them and a contract developer and trying to figure out out how could I support the cause? How could I get involved? And so then by the time, you know, it took a while to figure out details. And I was still working for the Lean Enterprise Institute half time. And so that decision point coming in the June uh, 2011 was to leave the Lean Enterprise Institute to continue consulting and speaking and doing things I was doing on my own, but then to work, call it roughly half time with Kinexus startups. A lot of times, you know, you're in an easier position to offer equity as opposed to cash. And so for the first couple of years I was working uh, for equity and um, my, my role and what I've done, and we can maybe dig into this. I'll stop giving such a, a speech about it, but um, I don't know. Any follow-up questions about sort of the how did I get to meet Greg and and, and why did I join on with the team? I, I think just uh, knowing both of you and um, my experiences with with both of you, uh, when you say we had a common shared interest, I see and appreciate that now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a little concerned about a Valentine's Day date, uh, <laughs> especially both of you being um, very happily married, but. Yeah, um, that's the are. life of, uh, yeah. of of improvement work. Like we don't we don't want you to be <laughs> married, married to continuous to improvement. Work. Yeah, we don't want you to be married to continuous improvement. We just want you to be engaged. But um, <laughs> I, I think it's it's interesting. And but that same draw for me of you know my father it, it went to Vanderbilt for undergrad and for medical school, um, and uh, listening to him talk about his experiences with continuous improvement. Uh, not really calling it that, but solving problems as a as a doctor, uh, it allowed a bond for Greg and I like a common vernacular. And so, mm-hmm. um, I think if my dad were here, my dad would be able to to, to share uh, as as well uh, stories like this. But uh, you you also talked about Masaki MI, and uh, for those of you that know Greg, he has that book on his bookshelf. Like literally, he'll reach right there and in, in mm-hmm. like an original hardbound copy, which is very expensive these days if you try to buy one on Amazon. But uh, you know, that concept of not just continuous improvement like Kaizen software, it was that's it was a, a different kind of problem he was trying to solve. And that brought you into that. Can, can you kind of expand on that, like what those conversations were like? Uh, did he give you examples or uh, I guess frustrating pain points that he felt like you could help him solve. I think at that point, part of the challenge was trying to help get some exposure for Kinexus in different ways. Um, I had worked for a software company previously. This was going back to 2001, but there I was more like employee number 20 and, um, there was already more structure in place at that previous company. Um, but coming on to join Kinexus, there were, you know, some challenges that I was able to help with in, in some ways. I mean, neither Greg or I really had much software sales experience. You know, I had, I had worked basically as a um, software sales engineer who did custom demos and worked with the salespeople. So, I mean, I had been around it and I guess I'd you know, absorbed a lot. But, um, you know, we were doing things like I was trying to help give exposure to the company through my podcast, through my blog, 
Um, Joe Schwartz and I were working on our book, Healthcare Kaizen, at the time. And the timing worked out well to include some examples and to cite Greg's um, journal article that he wrote with other people at Vanderbilt to give some exposure to that, to talk a little bit about the challenges with doing Kaizen in a very paper-based way. Um, you know, so I, I was able to help make some introductions because um, even even then, 2011, this has changed a lot over a decade. There was a lot of skepticism about technology. I was not the only one reacting that way, but I was open to at least talk about it. There were some who were like, no, nah, no software in lean. Like it's kind of, you know, an old school mindset um, where, look, there are honest challenges in use cases, especially you know, so originally our, our audience, our target was healthcare organizations, multi-site organizations. How does somebody at the hospital across town see your paper bulletin board? Like, I don't think it's controversial to say there's a role for electronic visibility and electronic collaboration and sharing and, and um, you know, so trying to just help articulate the case for Kinexus to people. And try to help convince them, okay, no, you you having some spreadsheets on a shared drive is not software. Um, you you trying to build something in SharePoint, uh, that's not software, and that's going to be way more expensive than Kinexus. So we were trying to get a foothold uh, in the market, trying to get exposure, um, doing some sales, coming to market with the first paying customers, and then trying to figure out how to onboard customers. <laughs> And how to keep customers happy, and you know, uh, you know, Matt um, got more help on the development side, and you know, th- those first couple of years were really you know just getting the plane off the ground, if you will, to the point where we could bring in other people who had more experience. So, like Greg and I had a lot of you know passion for this, but you get to a point where you want to bring in someone like a Jeff Roussel to be a VP of Sales. You want to bring in Adam Hamed as a principal architect. Like, thank, we had enough revenue now where we could um, start expanding the team. Um, I cringe when people say "fake it till you make it" because I don't. You know, I, faking it sounds like you're. That sounds dishonest. But like yeah, having to learn through experience and try to figure out um, software sales and. Um, product development processes that Greg and Matt were collaborating on. It was a really exciting time to try to just really help get the ball rolling from, I think, a really solid foundation in terms of having a problem to solve. Uh, Matt and Greg being a great co-founder pairing. Um, that, that was, that's, those, those are some thoughts, I guess, on the first couple of years. No, it's interesting because, uh, you know, I don't, I think fake it till you make it uh, probably a better, explanation of that would be those early PDSA cycles where <laughs> yeah. uh, we're, we're, yep. we're learning as we're growing. Um, and I think that that, that spirit of PDSA still exists today, 10 years later. Uh, it's, yeah. a, it's a much more mature and, and uh, I guess standardized culture. But um, I think one of the, one of the strengths that you, you, you brought to the organization was that, that, uh, uh, credibility from a, you, you have good lean, like you, you're good to lean values. Like you, uh, under, you, you trust the lean process. And, uh, I think 
um, like I knew I've known you since your days at LEI. So it's, it's easy for me to say that, but, uh, for, for people that maybe aren't familiar that it was, okay, they're, they're, they're a, they're seriously invested in continuous improvement because they're bringing the right people along. And that's, you mentioned, uh, Jeff Roussel and Adam Hamed, um, uh, bringing Maggie, uh, mm-hmm. Maggie on board from a you know, communication standpoint. Um, yeah. And then in your blog post, you talked about introducing Greg to someone from a leadership standpoint. Can you expand on that? Yeah. So it's funny in your episode, Chris, you talked about, you know, you reached out to Jeff Roussel for some networking when you were um, looking for a new opportunity. And uh, even though that wasn't your intent, it turned into a discussion about a job and, and here you are. Um, I had made an introduction uh, between Greg and Alan Wilson. And so the first software company I worked for was called Factory Logic. There was a co-founding CEO who was then, as sometimes happens with the founding CEO, he uh, was uh, exited from that. And then there was temporary, and then they hired Alan Wilson, who um, provided um, stability and great leadership. And, you know, the original CEO was a first-time entrepreneur. Alan was very experienced in software companies, large and small. He knew how to grow and scale companies. And he was great for that company. He, he led that through an acquisition by SAP and was with SAP for a while. And Alan was trying to be retired in Austin And he's a good guy. And I said, well, would you want to meet Greg? Greg's a first time entrepreneur. Um, I think, I think you two would get along. Like, why don't you meet up for coffee? And so I think they did. They probably had a three, I don't know if it was a three hour conversation, but you know, it's not that Greg's not that he's that much of a talker or something, but I think they found maybe their first conversation wasn't that long, but they had a good connection and Alan was mentoring Greg. And then I think Alan um, took on like, you know, sort of a more, more formal advisory role with the company. And then through that, um, there was a you know decision made. And, and this was Greg really thinking long term and showing a lot of humility. Um, Alan stepped in to be CEO. Now, unlike that other software company, Greg didn't leave the company. Um, Greg became chief product officer. And, and, and the intent was, that I think, you know, Alan would be, would be CEO for about 18 months and then maybe try to retire again. But so, you know, Alan was running the company and mentoring Greg and setting a really good example for Greg. And I know if we did a podcast with Greg about this or got Alan and Greg on together, I know Al, uh, Greg would show his, you know, would share his appreciation for Alan. And, and I think it says a lot about Greg. A lot of people wouldn't be able to swallow that kind of situation. Their pride or their ego would get in the way. They'd say, I'm the founder. I'm the only one who can run the place. But I think good leaders know when there's an opportunity to learn from somebody else. And because it was positioned as temporary and uh, yeah, it, that, that, that worked out really well. And those were some of the key, um, you know, couple of years when Alan was involved of building the team a little bit more, kind of carving out, okay, we have a marketing function with Maggie. We've got sales with Jeff and then a couple of people building out, um, you know, a customer experience function and team. Um, that, that was really a pivotal 
spot. Those are maybe kind of the middle three years, roughly, of um, the 10 years that I've been involved with Kinexus. And during part of that time, you know, it's funny you know, with my role, I became, uh, because now the company was in a position, um, I was a W-2 employee at 50% for a period. And then as the team was growing and circumstances being what they were, um, I stepped back to say, you know what, there, there, there's a need to hire people with certain experiences who can do the job full time and want to do the job full time. So I stepped back to try to you know, play a role as a contractor. Um, I had an opportunity. My wife and I had a chance to make an investment in the company, and we did. And like I tell people, even though I'm not a full-time employee, it's nothing less than a full-time belief in the, the product and the, the team and the company. And you know, so I, I try to help out um, where I can because um, you know, I'm fortunate I'm in a situation where I still want to do other things. And I think that I think that's sort of win-win for me to not be a full-time employee. As uh, one of the newer employees to one of the older employees, and in time of service at Kinexus, not in chronological age, <laughs> longest tenured. Uh, yeah. Um, thank you, because uh, I think you know when when we had a conversation up front, we talked uh, before I joined Kinexus. Greg had encouraged me just to have a conversation with you about culture and to get a feel for why you'd been here a while. But I think it would be interesting with the listeners to kind of understand uh, why you've been at Kinexus for 10 years, what, what keeps you here and what keeps you going. That's a great question. I, I'm trying to think if I really spelled that out in the blog post. Um, I mean, what, so why, why am I still here? Why am I still involved? I mean, so there's a couple of things. There's the people, um, Greg, you know, as I talked about already, Greg and Jeff or Greg and Matt as the co-founders are incredible people. Jeff Roussel at this point almost feels like a co-founder. He's been around for, for maybe seven years. Um, so there's, there's the people, there's the incredible team that continues to grow. They um, continue to impress me. Um, I, I try to help educate and mentor when I can when it comes to lean and continuous improvement practices um, that that our customers um, are, are practicing. So there's the people, there's the purpose. Like I still feel like we are very much scratching the surface with the potential for spreading continuous improvement, which is our our mission and our rallying cry. Uh, you know, we started off, you know, again, as a you know, startup company that had a handful of healthcare customers. And now we have customers around the world in such a wide variety of industries. Can, can I tell a quick story, though, a quick detour? Oh, absolutely. And then I'll come back to your other question. So this was maybe about two years in. And we were very focused, uh, all of our marketing message, the website, everything was focused on healthcare, that we are a healthcare software company. And, you know, that's important, like startup theory and practice will tell you, you know, pick one vertical, go deep, and then eventually you can, you know, earn the right to go work in other markets. There's something to be said for having very specific focused marketing message. Well, we got an email or it was a message through the website. Um, somebody was, was upset, if not indignant, of why would we not sell software like this to somebody in other industries? And I forget, I don't think, I forget who it was and I'm not going to name names. I don't, I don't think 
they ever became a customer, but that was, I think, a tipping point to where we realized, okay, we could make the marketing message and positioning um, more generalized. The product evolved away from being hard-coded about patient safety and being more configurable um, to, to different labels and, and, and types of uh, safety. So anyway, uh, you, you jog my memory about that. But back to you know, scratching the surface, um, you know, I think we have such an opportunity to continue making an impact. You know, we, we publish on the website. Greg Jacobson sends an email out every month. You know, it says, so far in 10 years, customer self-reported financial benefit alone in terms of cost savings and revenue growth that's been logged in Kinexus is about $5 billion. And that's not to mention the impact on quality and safety and lead times and customer satisfaction and employee engagement. Um, so the, the, the opportunity for us to meet that mission and to grow the company is enormous. And I think that's a really um, interesting challenge. And to say, how do we keep uh, a good culture as the company continues to grow. Um, and so it's, it's people and it's purpose and the product has evolved to help meet that purpose. Um, I, I'm still incredibly excited about the future and, and everything that Connexus has uh, looking forward. So that's why, that's why I stay. They haven't, and they, and they also haven't, they haven't kicked me out. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think they will by any stretch of the imagination, but I think one of the things that uh, attracted me along with the lines of what you're saying is uh, the company doesn't just create a platform or piece of technology that allows people to share and to participate in spreading continuous improvement. Uh, What amazed me the most is once I joined the company to see those same principles that they advocate outside of the company taking place inside of the company and like practicing sharing, spreading, continuous improvement. Mm -hmm. And I I, I think I told you this, or I may have told Greg, like after I'd been here for a week, says once you operate in an environment where you have the ability to have a say in making things better, you don't ever want to work in an environment where you don't have a say in making things better. And it's incredible to me. I I think that's uh, one of the things that's most attractive to me about the company, the product, and its culture. Well, and, and I was on a call um, the other day with with Greg, and um, and and Greg said very clearly, "We are a mission driven company. We're not a nonprofit. We're not a what? What's the you know? There's in some states you have uh, the type of business classification. Your there's is it is it B Corp or it's something where like you know you 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 have a certified um, public good, you know, to to your mission and. You, you, when I think of the public good of continuous improvement, it's not just the financial benefits uh, to our customers and the other business improvements that they um, are, 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 are testing and implementing. It's, it's the impact on employees' lives. To your point, Chris, being in an environment where you're engaged and um, your voice is heard and you're making a difference like that makes a big impact on people's general well-being. And there are arguably connections to health. Like when people work in an awful, toxic, stressful workplace, there are really bad effects on physical health. So there's there's that mission. And, you know, just one one maybe last example, you know, case in point, um, you know, earlier when earlier this year, 
when organizations, including some of our customers, were very rapidly trying to ramp up mass vaccination clinic efforts. And um, Helen Zach, who people might know from her days at the Lean Enterprise Institute and Catalysis, well, you know, we're now colleagues through a consulting firm called Value Capture. She's there full time. I work as a contractor through them as well. Back to, you know, they're, they're worn by many hats. And Helen brought up the idea of, wouldn't it be great if there was a platform in a way for people in these organizations to share their rapid learning about mass vaccination? And I said, you know, I think I might know a company. And, <laughs> and Helen has talked to the people at Kinexus many times, Greg and Jeff. And um, so I, I brought that to the team. And Maggie Millard, who we've already mentioned, our director of marketing, got more excited and, and, you know, about this idea and basically stood up a custom version of Kinexus that we invited people to come um, sign up for, for a free account if they were doing work on vaccination improvement. And, and Maggie said, like, you know, a couple of weeks into this, as we were ramping it up, we were hearing the voice of these customers around what types of things they wanted to share and to set up a platform that was going to be super easy for them to use. You know, Maggie at, at one point said, you know, that this is the most fun she's ever had working on anything in her career. And, you know, I, I think that's something Kinexus was doing to try to provide some public service and to use uh, our, our platform in a kind of unique and novel way. And, um, you know, we had we had people from, I think, 12 countries and 40 U.S. states logged in and participating. And, and a lot of that has declined as the need for mass vaccination clinics has come and gone. But I, I, I just, I, I think that's going to go down in our company history as um, one of our initiatives that demonstrates um, that, that mission very clearly. And I, I'm, I, I'm really proud that, um, that the company is able and willing to do that. And the support for doing things like that come from uh, Greg and the leadership team. I, I, I couldn't have been prouder. Well, Mark, uh, I think uh, just to put a capstone on that for you, uh, one of the things that uh, I take seriously as I've joined the company is continuing the work that you've done uh, in helping uh, preserve the lean values of the company and, and the lean knowledge and um, making sure that uh, we're true to our mission, we're true to our roots, and we're also true to continuous improvement. So uh, congratulations on your uh, Kinex anniversary. Uh, and, uh, I hope when my 10 rolls around, we get to celebrate your 20 at the same time. So yeah. thank you. Yeah. Look forward to that. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Chris. Well, uh, as we wrap up, uh, is there anything that you want to share with folks, uh, about, uh, uh, any upcoming webinars or anything that you think is important that folks should know? Well, if people want to learn about upcoming webinars, um, you know, July and August and beyond, then go to kinexus.com slash webinars. Uh, we don't have registration open for any of them currently, but there's a link you can click on. You can receive email updates whenever we announce new webinars. There's the webinar library that people can click on. Those webinars are all on YouTube, on our YouTube channel. So I would encourage people to go there, kinexus.com slash webinars. Um, I'll, we'll, we'll put links in the show notes if people want to read a little bit about what we had done with Vaxinexus. I'll put a link to the customer results page and I'll, I'll put a link to the blog post that I wrote about the first 10 years. Mark, thank you. I appreciate your time. Thanks for hosting, Chris. 
Well, thanks for listening. To learn more about Kinexus, the company, our software, and our team, you can go to www.kinexus.com. That's K-A-I-N-E-X-U-S dot com.